We are continuing on with our um, Bible study, Going to Rome. Someday we'll get there, but this has been great. I've got lots of Bible studies out of this, so uh, we'll just keep going. I think i got about two more tonight and next week, so we'll finally get there. But I've lived long enough, and so have you, to uh, experience too many of those gotcha moments. You know what I'm talking about, those times that when you, you can't believe a bad day can get any worse, an uncomfortable situation becomes a full-blown crisis. Uh, you, you thought you were going in because your car was kind of ticking and you thought it had some low oil and find out you need a new engine. You thought you were going in for a consultation and you end up in the hospital for a week and a half. Those are the type of gotcha moments we're talking about. So we've left Paul. He has been in the ship for, with this prison boat for in this storm, and last time I talked, he, the, the ship had come somewhat ashore and busted to pieces, and everybody survived as he said that they would, prophesied that they would, and they landed on this island, and there they have been, uh, they have been rescued or they have been met by some friendly people. We'll pick up in Acts 28, 30. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat, and it fastened on his hand. A snake is bad enough, okay, but a venomous snake. We're, we're, this is really serious, Acts 28, 4. And when the barbarians, people of that island there, saw this venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, there's not a doubt in our mind that this man's a murderer whom, even though he escaped the storm, He's not going to escape everything. Vengeance suffereth not to live in Acts 28, 5. And he shook it off. Paul just shook it off in the fire. The Bible says he felt no harm. Paul, bitten by a snake, after he's arrested, after he's put on a prison ship, after he's weathered a storm of all storms, after he survived a horrific shipwreck and made it to Malta, and then this gotcha moment where he thought he was safe on the shore, and then a snake, who gets him. Imagine Paul's face here. His body was drenched. He's exhausted. He's cold. He survived all of this stuff that, and washed up on shore. And then without warning, the gotcha moment, the snake struck, and Paul apparently it would seem, as we read the scripture, didn't even really flinch. It was just another day in the life of Paul where just, well, it's just a snake. What else am I to expect? I've been through so much. And he just kind of shook it off in the fire with no ill effects whatsoever. After Paul endured one hardship, we expect him to finally come out on the other side only to find out he had another gotcha moment. Human beings, we love stories. These tales, fundamentally, they have a, a beginning to get you hooked in, and then the middle, the tail, and then the end to kind of wrap everything back up, and so much hardship and trauma, and we expect in so many stories that at some point, you've got to hit bottom. The bottom has to be somewhere. There has to be, a, a, and then once you hit that bottom, there's no place else but up. It's got to turn around. Somehow, every Hallmark movie has just this turnaround, and it's just happily ever after. 
after at the end of this. There's got to be some type of a turnaround. And so the end of the story is sometimes, as I mentioned, this happily ever after, or, or things turn around and there's a great testimony from this. And perhaps this explains why the story of Job's life is so impactful and powerful. Catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe, Job chose not to give up on God. Now, there's a lot of things we could look at here, and we're going to look at just a couple verses and talk about Job for just a minute. But Job 1.20, let's start there with that. Then Job arose, he rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and booed and cried, and threw a fit, and cussed and fussed. No, he worshiped. This is what he said. Naked came out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. Because it's the Lord that gave. And the Lord can take away anytime he wants. But my point is, blessed be the name of the Lord. Next verse. In all this Job sinned not, neither charged God foolishly. Suffering loss is devastating, but all at once. Folks, read that scripture again when you're talking about Job. Before he was done speaking, the next servant ran up. Before he was done speaking, the next servant ran up. Before he was done speaking, the next servant ran up. I've heard of people who had catastrophes in their life. I remember uh, one lady uh, she was an elder saint of God, and uh, her she was re- she was old. She was rather old, and her children, of course, were grown and old. She buried all three of her children in a month. I remember her. We had one of the funerals here, and I was in the back getting stuff. To, she was up, and I heard her wailing, as only a mama can wail over her children. Broke my heart. That's a month, and to me, that's way too much. Job lost everything in moments. Went from powerful and famous and rich to having all this stuff to absolutely nothing ripped out from under him. And he was there somewhat feeling probably all alone. John, Job 13, 15, though, says, Though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. But I'll maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. He made it very clear that even if God takes my very life, he said, I'm still going to trust God. I'm still going to hope in God. He refused. He absolutely refused to let his circumstances, no matter how significant, no matter how dire, no matter how 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 bad they were, he refused to let them rob him of his hope. I don't know if you were here on Mother's Day, but let me just throw this out one more time. If you did not hear Sister Rachel Lugo's message, you need to go back, and even if you heard it, you need to hear it again. There was so much revelation coming out of that message and so much, so many things that were just powerful that I know it was a special day that you may have missed it, but you need to go back because the, her idea, again, is what the Word says, but hope fuels the engine of our faith. That's what it is. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
the evidence of things not seen. If everything is going well, I don't need to hope for anything else. If everything is going my way, it's easy to keep things status quo with God and just we come to church and we dance and we shout and we have a good time and we fellowship and there's wonderful and that's all great things. But when you're going through hard times, it's no longer easy to keep the faith or it's no longer easy to keep your hope burning and your hope alive. In those moments, we go back to Paul, in those moments, when that viper of the unexpected leaps out of the fire to bite you, here's the deal with that. What are you going to do with that moment? What are you going to do in that situation? And in that, say, in that case, you can't let the sting of the temporary setback become the poison of your hopelessness. Okay, it's going to hurt for a moment, but you cannot let that dangle on there and destroy all the hope that you have. Because though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he takes everything from me, he still is in control. And I still believe and love and have faith in God. Those are easy words to stand up here comfortable behind the pulpit. But we've been through situations. Some of you are in situations that it's not always that easy. You can't give up the fight. You simply have to shake off the viper. Paul didn't panic or immediately give up and resign himself to death. He, he didn't denounce God and say, it's done, it's over, I quit. I, God, you brought me this far and now a stupid snake. I give up and quit. Just one more thing and the litany of things marked up against me. He didn't create drama. Take out his phone, post it on Instagram, a snake has caught me. He didn't embrace the snake. He didn't tolerate the snake. Just picking up some wood, snake, fire. Paul didn't panic. He just shook it off. Acts 28, 4, and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they were said among themselves, I read no doubt. This man's a bad dude. This man's a murderer whom he got out of the sea all right. It didn't get him, but vengeance suffereth not to live. They assumed the worst. They judged the stranger in their midst. They weren't sure who all these people were that had just washed up on shore, but they judged him based on their worldviews, based on their perception. They wanted to believe that Paul had somehow brought this on himself. Because that just doesn't happen. You just don't suffer shipwreck. And as soon as you get out of that, another thing happens. And, and then as soon as you get out of that, another thing happens. And then a snake bites you. We are all tempted to do the same. If only I'd have prayed more. If only I'd have fasted more. If only I'd have read the Bible more. If only I'd prayed more. If only we weren't, somebody and I weren't such a bad person. If only I had done this or only if I had not done this. You understand, that logic is very human-centric. If only I did this or I didn't do this. It's, the universe is contingent on my prayers. I'm sorry. Your prayers are powerful. But this universe rides and falls on God Almighty. 
Do your prayers affect things? I'm mean, like, well, we'll then give up. Let's not even pray anymore. You know better than that. I'm just saying that sometimes we get in this and we understand that God, we have to understand that God is still in control. Even when I don't understand what is happening, God is still in control. His spirit inside of us gives us the power to shake off what may have been intended to harm us. Here's the thing, and again, I'm going to say a whole lot of stuff tonight that's easier said than done or acted and, and felt and all of those things. But really, there's no need to panic because God is still in control. Did God tell Paul he was going to Rome? That's exactly what he told him he was going to Rome. That's what the voice of God said. It didn't matter what come what may. God said, you're going to Rome. So when one of life's gotcha moments takes place and, and leaps out at you, you've got to remember and you've got to trust God to give you the strength to just shake it off. Maybe you would not have been able to shake free of this thing a few years ago or a month ago or even a day ago. Why can you shake it off now? Because you're a different person now because you just came through a storm. And if God brought you through a storm... He can take care of a silly snake. You've survived a shipwreck. You've made it to shore by the grace of God and the power of his spirit. You've made it to where you are right now. And through it all, God was faithful. God provided. God protected. God promoted. It was all what God can do in your life. Romans 8, 28. And we know... That all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Skipping down to 38, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, 39, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When your God-given confidence and ability are born out of adversity and they're grounded in hope and they're powered by faith in the living God, you can shake off anything hell sends your way. Because this ain't by your power, and it's not by your strength. It's by his power, his strength, and what he has proclaimed. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jeremiah 1, 19, And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. All the things that once hurt you or threatened you or scared you or intimidated you or tried to harm you have now made you just stronger because there was resistance there and you just kept going. And when that resistance built up, you just kept going. And all that was doing was just making you stronger and making you more resolute in what you believed. Nothing can happen to you that you cannot shake off by the power of God that works in your life. The enemy has no hold on you whatsoever. You can shake off rejection. 
You can shake off doors that are closed. You can shake off negativity and failure. You can shake off the past and complacency and apathy and unbelief and unforgiveness and bitterness and fear. No matter what it is, if it's not of God, it's your duty. Just shake it off and you can do that because God is for you. So when they looked at Paul survived all of these things and still cold and maybe a little seasick himself, but was trying to get some wood to, to get some warmth and that viper, that gotcha moment after all of these things he had been through. All Paul wanted to do was be in Rome. Lord, you said I'm going to be at Rome. You said I'm going to get to my destiny, and here I am. And all of these other things have gone against me, and now a snake bite. What am I supposed to do with that? Paul did not let it ground him. Paul did not let it thwart his, uh, his resolve to get to the promise of God, what God had said to him. He shook it off. I, I, let me pause here a second. Let me be very, very careful and you know me, my, my, my degree in counseling and all that stuff. I'm not one of these, and I've said it a thousand times in this poll. I'm not one of these. Just suppress it. Put your head in the sand. Pretend it doesn't happen. I'm not saying anything like that. But at some point, it is time to shake things off. You can get 9,000 hours of counseling and there's just sometimes it's time to let the Holy Ghost and shake it off in the fire. Does that mean it didn't happen? Absolutely not. Does that mean it didn't matter? Absolutely not. Does that mean any of these things? Absolutely not. It means it will no longer control me. It will no longer take me out. It will no longer stop me. It will no longer put me where I, in a bad position. I'm going to shake it off into the fire. One of the lessons tonight we can learn. Another lesson we can learn from this is God loves us and God loves to use not the biggest, not the strongest, not the most talented. Many times God loves to use the weak and the wobbly and the willing. People like Moses. I can't talk. I can't talk. Don't you ever say, no, 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 don't send me. I got a speech impediment. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Or David, after writing songs and dancing to the sheep, everybody overlooking him. Or like Ruth, she was out of her home. Like, what in the world? In the lineage of Jesus, where, how did she get in this mix? Or Esther, out of place, and I can't do this, I can't do it. You've got to go to the king. Or Rahab, hmm, that's who God uses. After the Maltese people witnessed this viper jumping out of the woodpile and latching onto Paul's hand, they, they speculated that he must be a terrible person and that he's being punished by their goddess justice and he, he, he's, he's a bad man and therefore he's getting his just desserts. And when Paul shook the snake off and they just kept watching him because they knew in a matter of time it was over for this man, Acts 28, 6, how be it? They looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they looked a long, long time and just kept looking and kept looking, nothing happened. No harm come to him. That's when they changed their minds. And then they said, whoo, he can't be human. 
human being, you would have been a mistake. You're dead. And, but no, he can't be human. He must be a God. I, you know, I can't fault them for what they expected to happen. If you see this yourself, you'd expect, well, that, that's, what's, that's what happens when you get bitten by a poisonous snake. And God had not brought Paul all of that distance just to have him get bitten by a snake and not reach his full destiny. Here's the thing about this, and I want you to grab a hold of this. Paul also knew this. Paul knew that the island of Malta was not his final destination. God had said to him, you got to go speak at Rome. And then even on the boat, he said, an angel has stood by my side. He was reconfirmed this over and over about what was going to happen. And so Paul knew this, and I suspect that's why he remained so calm and just shook it off in the same way you or I would just flaunt a uh, we, you and I would swat a fly. It's, oh, it's just a fly. No, it's a venomous snake, but he could just shake it off because he knew something bigger than those barbarians could see. When you've been chosen and equipped for the purpose of God, you can have confidence that he will get you to Rome. That is what Paul just kept holding on to, that I'm not there yet, and I don't care if the shipwreck, and I don't care if we lose the ship, and I don't care if there's a detour, and I don't care if there's a snake hanging off of me. I'm still not where I'm supposed to be, and someday I'm going to get there. So ladies and gentlemen, when God said you're going to get there, I'll say it again and again, you're going to get there. I don't care how many snake bites or detours or blockades in the way. God said you're going to get there. There is a destiny and a purpose for you and you're going to get there. You've been equipped. God has called you and ordered your steps. It may take the long route. You may experience some unexpected detours. You may get delayed by some storms and arrive by another means and than how you started, but you're going to get there. There's people watching Paul expected again him to die. And the people watching you may expect you to quit. They're in for a big surprise when they look up and see what God is doing in your life. Those focused on earth can't understand the things of heaven. Many religious, and I'll say religious because I don't want to say Christians because that means Christ-like and sometimes those are not synonymous. But many religious people get upset when God uses the people they've deemed unqualified. Well, I'm not sure they ought to be singing that special because I'm not sure they ought to be doing that because David wasn't, I have, I have a lot to say about King David. I have a lot to say about a lot of people in the Word of God. They probably have a lot to say about me in the Word of God. But you have to understand, I, I'm not one, folks, please, please stay calm. We, this is still, you, I hope you understand, I'm very much on the apostolic doctrine, very much in separation from the world, believing all of these things, believing holiness, all these things. You understand that. 
But if you think it's a good idea to just continually kick people for a mistake they made, we're sadly mistaken. That's not what the church is about. The church is about love and opening our arms and bringing the prodigals back. That's what the church is about. So sometimes, though, it's not just people that just look down. Oh, I wonder, wonder, wonder all of these things. It's other people that are surprised by what God does as much as sometimes we're the ones surprised. The person he's doing it through or for, we get surprised. We get on our own way sometimes. Even when it's clear the Lord has called us and is leading us to Rome, he has divinely appointed us for, a, for that purpose. We're the ones that sometimes get in our own ways. Let's look for a moment, for a little bit here. Let's look at Gideon. You know him. You know his story. Of all the underdogs in the Bible, Gideon from the least influential clan, the youngest member of his family. Let's start reading the scripture. Let's start re- reading Judges 6, 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Orpha and that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So he's there in the back of the kitchen, hiding and scared. This angel appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You chicken in the back of the kitchen. No. He said, mighty man of valor. I can imagine Gideon looking around like, am I in here by myself? Is there somebody else? This is, I understand that that angels are usually sent from God, but I'm not sure he got it right. Who's he talking to? Doubting everything about himself. Judges 6, 13. And Gideon said unto him, oh my Lord, if thou be Lord with, if if thou be, if the Lord be with us, then why is this befallen us? Because the Lord's with you. What about all the miracles with our, which our fathers told us? Passed down from generations. Our great God, he did this. He's powerful. He can do those things. Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And man, that was powerful. I've heard the stories. Those are great. But now we can't find God anywhere. He's forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? Gideon said unto him, oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? And here comes the excuses. My family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. There's no way possible. You got the wrong guy. This is 55 South Maple. I think you meant 55 North Maple. There's no way you landed at the right place. And the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee. And there's the kicker of all of this. I will be with thee, the Lord says, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. The Lord's reply, he told Gideon, I'm going to be with you, and you'll be able to do what I'm telling you to do. It was a statement. It was not a question. It was a fact. It was not a fantasy. It was the future, not talking about anything that happened in the past. So often we're the ones that we get our, we, we, we get hung up on asking God, how can he possibly do what he says he's going to do? Because we can't see it or we can't understand it or there's no way possible for us. And you don't have to understand how he will bring it about, what he has chosen for you to do. You just simply have to do it. I 
priest a few Sundays ago, how ignorant and how just, it doesn't even make sense that there was change in a fish's mouth. Well, I'll tell you, a fish technically cannot have change in their mouth. It didn't matter. We don't have to tell scientific facts. We don't have to say technically this. We don't have to do any of that stuff. All we had to do was get a fishing pole and go fish. And the first fish you caught was going to have fish in its mouth. Why? God is with you. And so in a case like this, how in the world can this possibly happen? Because God is with you. And Gideon's response implies that he saw himself not as a mighty man of valor, not as a mighty warrior. That's not who he deemed himself. He was hiding away. He gave every excuse he possibly could of why he could not do this. So what did Gideon do? He stalled and he kept asking God, are you sure about this? I know an angel's right here, but are you sure? Judges 6.36, and Gideon said unto God, If you will, save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. 37, behold, can I put a fleece of wool on the floor? And if the dew be on the fleece only and it dry on the ground around it, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so the next morning he got up. And thrust the fleece together and wring the dew out. He wrung a bowl of water out of this fleece. It had a lot of water in there. And Gideon went out and marched. He was valiant. And, uh, no. And Gideon said unto God, Don't get mad. I'll speak just one more time. But I really need to know. I pray that this time the fleece is dry, all the ground's wet. Judges 6.40, and God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. <laughs> I don't know, people, don't fleece the Lord, don't do this, don't do that. But we, you know, you need to go pray for so-and-so. Lord, if they sing the chorus one more time. You're fleecing the Lord is kind of what you're doing. <laughs> Just pray everybody's in tune with the Spirit. So they sing that one chorus one more time. The idea is, what does God ask you to do, mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor? He's trying to get you somewhere before risking all he had by stepping out in faith and leading his people into defeat the Midianites. Gideon wanted to be very, very sure. So I ask you, great congregation, do you ever stall? Do you ever drag your feet? Do you ever wonder why? Let me, let me ask a question. Why, why is it so hard for you and us and me to accept that God would never have called you if he hadn't already equipped you? Knowing how far he's already brought you, do you really need to doubt that you'll get to Rome? Okay, pause. Quick inventory. Think for the next 10 seconds back over your life of all the situations. There was no way out. There was no way through. It couldn't happen. It was impossible. You had sleepless nights. You wrung your hands. You couldn't believe it. And here you are. Did God work it out? Did God make a way? 
did God prove faithful? Every time. If he did it then, he's probably not going to stop when he's trying to get you to Rome. He didn't bring you this far just for a snake bite to take you out. Shake that off and keep going and believing God is going to get you to Rome. It may be a detour, yes, but you can indeed do this. You have the same warrior spirit inside you that the angel recognized in Gideon. The choir sang on Sunday, and I want you to think of these words. They were up here just, we had a great Sunday, and they were singing so powerfully. That same spirit... That raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. So don't hide in the kitchen, fresh and wheat. You're a mighty man and woman of valor. That same spirit that raised him from the dead is dwelling inside of you. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness. I don't care what it takes. I'll concrete and pave a road in the wilderness and I'll put rivers in the desert for you. I'll do whatever it takes to get you to where you need to be. No matter how you may feel, you have God's seal on you. Others will marvel as they see you not only live, but thrive in what God wants you to be. That's if you don't stop. That's if you shake the snakes off. That's if you keep on progressing and keep on going and keep on believing. You are so close to Rome right now. Snake bites are merely just speed bumps on your journeys. Others were going to be shocked by your life, but you shouldn't be shocked by your life. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have all you need to fulfill your divine potential. You, ladies and gentlemen, you just have to believe that. I can't do it. Don't say you can't do it. We'll just have group therapy, positive self-talk. I don't care what you want to call it. Do something to where I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am an overcomer. I can do these things because God is with me. So what are your promises? What has he told you? What direction has he taken you? I don't care how many setbacks and where you've tried to mess your own life up. God has ordained you. God has called you. God is trying to get you somewhere. And if you allow him, it's going to amaze you and everybody else around you of what God is going to do in your life. You're going to get to Rome. You're going to get there. Let's stand in this building tonight. Let's just thank God for his touch. Lord, we thank you that you know exactly where I am. I may not have been at my full potential yet, Jesus, but you know the way that I take. Even if someone is in a severe storm and they can't even find their way, you know where they are and you know, Jesus, how to get them to their destiny. Help us trust you more. Help us lean on you more. Help us to understand, Jesus, that you're going to do all things well in our lives. We lean and we, we, we count on you, Jesus, and we trust in you completely. Bless this great congregation, oh God. Help us to walk in the spirit. Let us be salt and light to this dark world wherever we go. Let us follow you and hear your voice. Bless each one I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.